What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 113 of the Masterclass. My name is Cameron Brennan, and I'm joined by David Hogue. Yes, you are. Yet again. Once, isn't that funny how that happens? I know. Seems like I come to your house every week and we, we do, do this thing. We do this thing. So. I use my full name for the first time. Yes. Very proper. You know what my you know what my first name means? I do not know what your first name means. I'm insulted. No. Uh it is Gaelic, which is, you know, the part of the world that my family comes from. Mm-hmm. Being Scotland. And it means in Gaelic <clears throat> crooked nose. Oh. Wow. That's it's crazy. a really strong, powerful name with lots of meaning behind it, Dave. Yes. I always think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off when you say Cameron. Mm, good memories. There's a... my Cameron go. <laughs> so I thought it was really cool as a kid that his name was Cameron and he was wearing a Red Wings jersey. Oh, yeah. That's because true. Because my name is Cameron and I'm from Detroit and I'm a Red Wings fan. And when yes. I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Red Wings. <laughs> I was going to be a hockey player, and, I mean, we played street hockey, and I wasn't allowed to play ice hockey because it was super expensive. And, <laughs> you know, when you're a little boy, all you do is grow. So, you know, equipment was super expensive, and buying equipment every year to replace the to old school. Yeah. Yes. So my parents were like, not a chance. There's no way you're playing ice hockey. You can play roller hockey. You can play street hockey with your friends, you know. Until the cows come home, which there weren't any in Detroit. It's a city. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a kid, I was like, oh man, that's so cool. We have the same name. We like the same hockey team. I want a cool friend like Ferris. Yeah. Then, you know. Didn't I, happen. No. But then I thought it was also cool because they were in Chicago. And he's still rocking the Red Wings jersey in Blackhawks territory. Oh, that's true. I like it a lot. Yeah. And his dad I, had a sweet car too. Yes. My dad never had sweet cars. He's like a minivan kind of guy. Mm. Yeah. Not everyone's perfect. No. I had I had a similar kind of... Uh, there was a TV show called The Hogan Family. And the lead was... Or the, one Hulk? Of, well, <laughs> no. Um, one of the... Well, the, char- the character was David Hogan, which is very similar to my name. And he was... They had like... He had like White Sox stuff. He was a White Sox fan. Oh, that's why you liked it. But, so, but, but kind of a similar deal of... Um, you know, a similar name and, and, and liking the same teams that um, that I liked as well. And that particular character was actually played by Jason Bateman. What? Yep. After he did, I think, Silver Spoons. Yeah, Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder. I think he was on Silver Spoons with Ricky Schroeder. As a kid? Yeah. And I didn't then, realize he was a child actor. And then they did the TV show The Hogan Family, which... It started off with, I think, Sandy Duncan. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Dave, remember, there's a slight age gap between us. And then, it, but, but like, I don't remember what exactly the story one because I want to say Sandy Duncan started on it, and then it switched to the mom being Valerie Harper. Like there was, there was something about I don't remember exactly. And our listeners probably really don't care. So it's all right. There will be a link in the show notes to the Hogan family, so you can <laughs> Wikipedia that to your heart's content. I really had no idea Jason Bateman was was a child actor. Yes, and my so, first introduction to him was Arrested Development, which still might be one of the best comedic television shows of all time. It is good. Yep, I would agree. 
I was listening to um, a podcast last night while I was washing dishes at work. And it's called No Dumb Questions. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, Dustin Sandlin from the YouTube channel Smarter Every Day. And then Matt Whitman, who's a pastor out in Wyoming. I'll have a link in the show notes. And they bring up, um, like, do you like puns? Are puns your, you know, sort of um, humor? And Matt, who he also has a YouTube channel called The 10 Minute Bible Hour, which I don't quite understand the name because there's more than 10 minutes in an hour. <laughs> and I think he's just being sarcastic or, or <laughs> silly about it. And I've watched some of his videos, and he actually has a really cool uh, series right now where he's going through like issues with the Bible that people have, and he talks about the manuscripts and the errors and the versions of the Bible. And like he's really quite funny, and his examples are very good. So I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, it's totally worth watching. Um, anyways, so he asks Destin... Um, do you like puns? And Dustin's like, well, yeah, of course I like puns. Puns are funny. And Matt's like, well, when I was younger, I hated them. Oh, and interesting. He goes, Until is like he goes, there was a watershed moment in my life where I finally realized the you know the humor of of puns. And Dustin's like, oh yeah, what's that? And he goes, Arrested Development. He goes, the entire show is puns. Every joke, it the really entire is. plot line is all puns. He goes, so one of the main characters, Buster, you know, there are two Lucille's in his life, his mother and then the you know neighbor, Lucille number two. Then later in the show, he loses his hand to a loose seal, which I never put together. Oh, no, not at all. And he has the, the hand hook the rest of the show. And I'm like, how did I miss that? I've seen that show over and over again. And yeah, he gets his hand bit off by a seal, but I never once thought, oh, look, it's a loose, loose seal. seal. And it's a freaking brilliant. That is brilliant. I'm like, oh, I mean, he's smart. And now I'm mad at him because he discovered a pun <laughs> in a show that I totally missed. Like, I thought it was super weird that he got attacked by a seal. But the loose seal part, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's layers uh, to everything in that show. Th- there really is layers to that show. Yeah, it's so good. It is good. My favorite pun in the entire show is when Dr. Tobias Funke paints himself blue to join the Blue Man group, and he comes home and <laughs> he goes, oh, I blew myself. <laughs> and then Jason Bateman goes, there's got to be a better way to say that. <laughs> like That's a pun more on my level. Um, but yeah, when he, when he brought up the Lucille bit, I thought, oh my goodness, I have missed that. The, I mean, I we, we in college that was like our our go to show with like Meredith and her friends. Oh, really? Oh, she loved Arrested Development, which I find interesting because usually that sort of humor just antagonizes her. But she married me, so clearly she has to like it because <laughs> that's totally so you know. But yeah, back then, man, Arrested Development and Lost were our jam. We'd have parties for both. Cool. Anyways, that's totally a tangent God, we're, you know what we should just we should just have a podcast where all we do is tangents that way we're not actually off topic because there is no topic mm-hmm. and all the spare that. time we have to do what would be well actually, a fourth podcast for each of us well i think if when we sat down to record any podcast if we just turned the mic on as soon as we got together yeah we wouldn't have that be really sad though so if that, that one took off <laughs> 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 it's like look at we have like 
four really thought out, you know, and well-intentioned podcasts, and this fifth one that's just garbage in the sense that it's not, there's no topic, there's no, that's the one that people like. But that's what Seinfeld was all about. Yeah, a but show, they wrote the episodes. It was a show about nothing. Yeah, still a show. It was about <sighs> nothing. Speaking of Seinfeld, have you watched Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee? I have not, partly because... I'm so disappointed. One, I don't know how many episodes there are, and I'm a, a little lot. bit. I'm a it's little. It's on bit, Netflix now. No, it is on Netflix. They, they and I'm the a little bit. And I'm a little bit concerned that I'll start watching it and not be able to stop watching it. That might be a problem. So that's that's. But I, they're like they're like 13 to 18 minute episodes. Uh, yeah, they're, I, they're I, short. I, uh, it's almost it's almost like a podcast mm-hmm. for TV. It's just two people having a conversation. Yeah, and you until, almost don't even have to watch until you've watched seven or eight of them, and you're like, "Where's my day gone?" Well, I'm not encouraging you to waste your time. I'm so just I'm saying, just, I'm, as I'm, a car guy, I'm waiting until. Well, no, I, and that's I'm very. I'm, I guess that's the thing is I'm aware of what it is, and I'm a little bit concerned. I've, I've kind of been like, someday I'm going to get sick. I'll I be may have spent like rest. six hours watching it the other day. Yeah, exactly. That's what. But I think to be I fair. I was home with my daughter, and it was just on in the background. We were playing. We were reading books. We were climbing. Well, she was climbing the stairs. I was preventing her from falling backwards and cracking her skull open. But it was it's so funny, Dave. I, I, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. All right. So I, based, did, I did catch Letterman's new show on Netflix. I haven't watched that yet. I've heard and such good things about it. You know what? I can't say that I, rant and, I would rant and rave about it and say you have to watch it, but like it's it's kind of one of those things where I'm like I bet he's finally doing what he really want. Like I bet that was truly satisfying for him oh, to yeah. do that. Cuz it's totally Versus, his call now. Yeah. So, based on our show notes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Hogan Family, Arrested Development, No Dumb Questions, Smarter Every Day, 10 Minute Bible Hour, Comedians in the Cars Getting Coffee, and My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. This apparently is a pop culture podcast. television show, yes. <laughs> Right. On that note. Jesus, we're very sorry. No, we don't have to apologize. <laughs> I, and I would agree with those, that Those are well. the appetizers. Those are the appetizers. We are moving on to the entree. Unless, of course, there's anything else you would like to say. Um, no. All right. Well, we're going to keep rolling in um, chapter two of Romans. Because we didn't quite get to where we wanted to last episode. There's too much to talk about. And I mentioned at the end of last episode, or towards the end of last episode, that like this book just takes my brain all sorts of other places, because there's just it's so dense and there's so much to consider, and it references so much of other scripture and other ideas. You see that, you know, we might be here for a while, and I'm okay with that. Absolutely, and so ultimately, the Book of Romans is about the gospel. I mean, it's yeah, really. It's, what we're looking at. And so I kind of feel like Romans is Paul's best shot. Like this is not everything he wants people to know, but like this is his like manifesto of like, I'm coming to your town. Here's, here's what you need to know in order to understand the new reality of things. Mm -hmm. And like you get very specific stuff in other books like Philippians or Timothy, you know, or Colossians, where he's writing to very specific situations that are occurring. And and here he's obviously writing to a specific place and time, you know, the Roman church at that time. But it's like it is his 
best shot at here is the gospel. Here is what it means to follow the truth. And I'm going to lay it out for you step by step. That's how I see it anyways. Oh, I would definitely agree. And I would say that unique situation of, of there being Jewish Christians and new Christians, new followers of Christ creates that kind of, um, I, you have a lot of educated people. You have a lot of religious people. You have people that know the Bible in kind of in these two different camps, two different sort of perspectives. And I think that's what forces him to do what he does in Romans that he didn't have to do at other places. Yeah. And he's, he's coming into as far as I think we know, a place he's never been before. Like he's tried to get there multiple times, but he doesn't have people on the ground like he does. He doesn't have relationships. He doesn't have people in place that he's put like Timothy or Titus or, you know, have Mm -hmm. contacts with people like he does with the churches in, in his other letters. So this is like his opening salvo to prove to these people. He's not just some, you know, guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. no, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is who Jesus is. This is what God is about. This is the gospel. This is the new truth. This is the new reality. And you all need to know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. It makes my brain hurt sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, better that than, than not being challenged. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to? Sure. I will. All right. Hear ye the word of the Lord. All right. So Romans 2, starting with verse 17 through 24. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, uh, start 23 again. You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. All right, he's starting to pick up some, uh, I don't know if venom is the right word, but he's starting to get a bit pointed. Yes. Um, Okay, so I want you to share with the listeners what you shared with me about verse 17 uh, and how he, you know, introduces, but if you call yourself a Jew, I thought you had some good insights into that. So this is one of those verses that I've probably read multiple times over the course of my life and it has really never resonated with me it hasn't met meant much to me because he says if you call yourself a Jew but if you replace that word with Christian and he says but if you call yourself a Christian and I think there's definitely this sort of like this is not just sort of an off-the-cuff This is a very pointed, very directed comment towards the Jews to where, you know, if somebody said to me, particularly kind of in the context of, um, you know, 
being a Christian if you call yourself a Christian. I know personally my response is going to be, well, what do you mean if I call myself a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. And then I'm going to be like, this is why I'm a Christian. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily my list is going to be a righteous list of, you know, this is why I'm a Christian. But I think that's exactly what Paul is doing here. And he says, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, well, the things that they would list off, yeah, I'm a Jew. And they're going to list off all these things of why they're a Jew. They're probably not the things that really matter when it comes to eternity and kingdom significance. Culturally, sure, there's probably a lot of significance to it, but it doesn't have uh, much bearing. And so that was just a kind of an eye-opening realization to me where he says, but if you call yourself a Jew um, and rely on the law and boast in God, and then, I mean, it even continues there, and you know his will and approve what is excellent. So all these things, and ultimately says, this comes up short. Um, particularly if you if you say one thing and then you you do another, your your actions don't match what your words say. And um, well, I, this is this is what I, is coming to my brain right now is. Um, I've had several conversations with people at work where they will say, so you're a person of faith. You're a, That's the safe term. Right? Yeah, you're a person of faith. You're a man of God. I mean, there, there, there's kind of this, you're religious. You know, there's there's sort of these these terms that will, people will throw out there. And um, I'll, I'll kind of, I'm, I'll, I'll own whatever they, they want to throw out there because I think, it, like you said, it's kind of their way of making it safe. And heck, if the conversation is headed down that direction. Yeah, you don't need to derail it early on. I'm not going to derail it. And so... Um, one of the things that when that kind of comes up is I will tell people that I consider myself a Christian. Christian has become a term that has sort of this cultural, you know, in the same way that somebody from Iran or Iraq or the Middle East is a Muslim. You know, there's kind of this, this cultural tag that goes with that because of where you live. And so I will say, sure, I'm a Christian. But I said more than that. I consider myself a follower of Christ and um, fairly recently I've had a couple of conversations of talking about being a Christian. I will just say, you know, if you want to know what I believe, I'm happy to tell you. I don't think it, it, it falls under this sort of like believing the right things, not believing the right things. Um, obviously for correct, Proclaiming Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior is a, is a essential to our faith, um, saved by grace. But the other thing that I've 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 said to people is is I believe our testimony is important. I believe sharing our faith with others is is, is important. But I also believe that if you were to put me on trial for being a Christian, there would be enough evidence to convict Dave for being a Christian. I said, I believe what, how I live my life is consistent with what God calls Christians to be. And I said, and in that, 
there is definitely this underlying idea of I am dependent on God's grace and that I don't live my life this way just because I'm trying to earn my way into heaven. It's I've been forgiven. And so because of that, I leave, I live a certain way uh, in the same way that, you know, I love my wife. And so I live in a way that honors. And so long story short, I don't think regardless of who you are, Jew, Christian, whatever you want to call yourself, it should be entitled only. There should be evidence in your life that what you believe is played out in how you do things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that that extends beyond your faith choice, right? Uh, absolutely. If, if you were to tell me you were a police officer, <laughs> yeah, but I saw that you had a full beard and I saw that you didn't know how to handle a firearm, and I saw that you don't ever go to work, those things are leading me to believe <laughs> no, you're not a police officer. Yeah. You, you don't adhere to, you know, the facial hair rules, mm-hmm. which is a very specific thing. It is. It's you in policy, yeah. But it's but it's a very specific thing. Like, okay, maybe he's undercover. You can't that, handle a fire. Absolutely. You can't handle a firearm. Mm, that's a pretty basic piece of your job because you have to be able to defend yourself and protect civilians mm-hmm. and you never go to work so like unless <laughs> unless you're undercover in your own home for like tax fraud where you don't need a gun because like it's it just paints a picture of mm-hmm. you're telling me one thing but the way that you're living your life and the evidence you're showing me says another right and so I think that, yeah, I agree totally when it comes to faith. That is absolutely, and that's why we have the fruit of the spirit, right? Those are supposed to be the evidence yeah. of the spirit yeah. working in our life. Um, but I also think that it, it extends to our relationships, our, you know, um, our professions that like, you can't say one thing and do another and not expect people to see the uh, friction between those two things. And, you know, I think a lot of people might respond, well, you know, based on, you know, the politics and the culture we live in, like nothing's true and you can't know, you don't know what to trust because, you know, journalists will print whatever they want. Like, and I get it, but like at the end of the day, I can't believe I just said that. I hate it when people use that. In, in their defense of something at the end of the day, the day's not ending. Like it's just, it doesn't have anything to do with time or the sunset. It, uh, uh, anyways. Um, my point is when you are saying something about yourself, you are probably either doing it for a few reasons. One, because it's true mm-hmm. Two, because you're trying to, Make yourself look good. And that's really all I got. I thought there might be a third or fourth option, right? But when you are trying to tell someone about yourself or show someone about yourself, I can think of those two options. It's either because it's true or because you want to look good. Mm -hmm. Whether it's to impress them or shame them, you still want to look good. Um. And so as, you know, we're reading through this, you know, if you call yourself a Jew, well, as you point, like, well, that's going to get some people 
mm-hmm. uh, out of their chairs. Like, oh, I'm a Jew. And Paul's like, okay, you want to play that game in other letters? I'm, you know, a Jew of the highest class, born of this, boom, boom, yes. like educated, smart. Like, I was this. I persecuted Christians. I burnt, like, if you want to play that game, Paul will play it with you and he'll probably beat you. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But yeah, if you call yourself a Jew and you rely on the law and boasting God and know his will and approve what is excellent and all of these really good things that Jews should probably want to click off at the end, it says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? And that to me is the key, the the hinge that everything in this passage rests on, right? Yep. If you're going to sit there and run your mouth about all of these good things that you do to other people, right? well, you need to do this and you don't need to do that and you should focus on this and you shouldn't focus on that and you need to try to do this harder and then you walk away and you do not do the same thing to yourself? Like that right there is the definition of hypocrisy. And if there's one thing Jesus has no time for and (laughs) zero tolerance for, it's hypocrisy, right? So, I mean, I'll... Your section, my my now seemingly endless rant, um, comes down to if you're going to either if if you're going to tell people the truth, you need to tell yourself the truth, and it's a lot easier to tell other people what is right and wrong than it is to look at yourself in the mirror and do the same thing. For whatever reason, I don't, I'm not a psychologist. I don't understand, you know, the, the psychology behind why it's easier to tell someone else they're wrong and not living their life the right way than it is for you to tell yourself. But I know it's true Mm -hmm. because I live it. Oh yeah. And it is a lot easier for me in my own mind to try and justify the wrong things that I do. And then the second I see someone else do something that I deem wrong to just jump on them and hound them. Whether or not I actually say it to them, but in my own brain, right? We're not just responsible for our actions. We're also responsible for our thoughts Mm -hmm. and our intents. And it it is very easy for me in my mind to think really nasty, awful, terrible things about other people based on their weaknesses or, you know, uh, flaws that I see. And then look at mine and go, yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. Like, I can probably work on it a little bit, but, you know. They're just the worst. (laughs) But if we are trying to teach others and not teaching ourselves, then we are, by definition, hypocrites, and Jesus has no time for us. Yes. Yeah, and that, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've, that's one of the things that I have sort of been wrestling with uh, on some extent of just, um everybody is a sinner particularly those who say they are followers of Christ and we well one we could never ever live up to the standard that we hold other people to you know it's like so so that well, and that's the that's the double standard of the whole thing right is when you actually say it out loud it's comical mhm i mean it's really sad but in that way, it's comical of like the double standard is so uh, unbalanced. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, but I think there's also this element of 
you know, I, I get so frustrated with things that I see other Christians doing to the point that I get mad, that I get angry, that I don't want to associate with them, that, you know, I want to call them names like, you know, I want to say you're a hypocrite, you're inconsistent. And, um, it's just, I, I really have just come to this place of just realizing that we're expecting humans, sinful human beings to act in a way that I guess I'm grateful that God doesn't hold us to that same standard. I mean, he, he holds us to that standard, but his grace is, is sufficient to, to cover that. But, um, uh, the, there are just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm at a loss for words here, but I am on some level. I'm truly just fascinated the way um, Christians can be on polar ends of a particular topic and one having such conviction one way and another having such conviction the other way. And there's this piece of me that wants to say, well, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. And I think in the kingdom of God and in the perspective of, of eternity, I suspect that we are both wrong and that God is ultimately the one who is right. And it is our sinful fallenness, the separation that we have from God that, that causes that to happen. But I want a nice, neat little answer. I want a nice resolution to this of, so. Well, okay. So that, that brings up something that we talked about a long time ago where, um, you were working, I think, with new recruits, mm-hmm. and they said that you were a really black and white person, mm-hmm. and you're like, "No, I'm not." And they brought up like, "Well, why can't both of them be right?" You're like, "Because they have different answers to a question. You can't have two different." And it was actually my negotiator team. Was it your okay? Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you want to share more. I, I totally just threw that on you, so I don't feel like you need to say anything you don't want to say. Um. But it is it is interesting to me, one, yes, that you can find Christians on polar opposite ends of things. And that just tells me that, that people are far more complex in Christianity and God are far more complex than we like to think. Because if we simplify things down, it's easier, right? There's less there's less gray area, there's less room for error, there's more rigid rules. It's just, you know, ten commandments are a lot easier than six hundred. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um so when I see Christians, especially if I know the people and I know that they love God and, yes. I, and I know that they are trying <laughs> to honor God like in, in the best way that they can and, and I see them on opposite sides of something, I'm, I'm just, huh. It causes you pause, right? Be like, how does that work? Right. I know in respect to this person and I know in respect to this person, yet they are at odds over issue X. Mm-hmm. I know that both of these people know scripture and love God and are doing, you know, what they can. And probably smarter than me. Well, no, yeah, probably, yeah. Um, Not always, but... No, yeah. probably most of the time, actually, in, in my case. But it just, that just lends, or that's not the right word. To me, that's a spotlight on how complex 
humans are, how complex our culture is, how complex God is. And that shows me, if I actually think about it, how much room, like how insane is it that God can handle all of that without even breaking a sweat? Right. Oh, absolutely. The things that we freak out about is like, guys, I got it. Yep. You guys have your free will. And that's you know, obviously a discussion, you know, for not, we really need to have the free will predetermination debate at some point because um, I feel like we keep skirting around it. Okay. You know, ep- but in Romans, every, we'll do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but God's ability to take all of that complexity, which he created, all of the variables thrown in by, you know, humans and our uh, chaos. Like, yeah, I'm good. It. It's just... You know, I find those moments to be very uh, frustrating, but at the same time, eye-opening. Like, frustrating that two people that I know and respect could be so, you know, uh, bullheaded about something and arguing over something. And then, probably not in the moment, and maybe not even right after, but maybe down Mm -hmm. the road a ways, looking back and go, you know what? It's okay that that happened. God still got it. Yep. And it... and in the moment, you want to know who's right and who's wrong. Right. Because one of us has to be right. One of us has to be wrong. Or to your point, we could both be wrong. <laughs> or maybe, maybe we could both be right. Sure. Which is, I think, the hardest of any of the possible solutions to stomach. And I don't know how that works in some situations. But, like you know, and again, I, I've said this before, and I'll come back to it again. My instinct is to assume that I am correct. And I do not know why that is my instinct. And it makes me crazy that I will assume for no reason, no no legitimate reason, that I am correct going into a conversation or an argument. Let's talk science. The last science class I had was environmental science in college. Let's get in a chemistry debate. Yeah, I'm right. I don't know. I haven't had chemistry since I was 16. I don't know anything about it, but my assumption is I'm right. And that is just weird to me. Mm-hmm. So I think when I'm able to see a debate between other people where I can, you know, in air quotes, see both sides because I'm so all knowing. Like that is an opportunity for me to realize one, like I said, how, how you know, powerful and big God is to engulf all of that. And also, if I'm being honest, which is not necessarily all the time with myself. How little I actually know. Oh, yeah. Because I want to know who wins, and I want to be on the winning side. But it's just like, that's not for me to decide. And in most cases, it's not for for me to know because it's an incomplete conversation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure. I don't know. Sorry, my brain is like no, I'm, on I'm, overdrive I'm right with now. You. So I'm, I'm going to touch on a controversial issue to just make something concrete something concrete like I, i've been throwing out lots of generalities but you're going to touch on a specific thing i'm going to touch on a specific thing just because this has been my experience so christians in america in particular are supposed to be pro-life and so when we say the term pro-life that means ultimately we're against abortion right so, so that's that's kind of the first piece for me in all of this is it's one thing to be 
anti-abortion, it's another thing to be pro-life. Because if I'm anti-abortion, then I really need to take in all the implications that go with saying you should not end this unborn child's life. And that means helping that mother who may be single, who may be poor, be able to provide for her child, give an education. There's just a lot of things that go like if if you say I'm pro-life, it is a very wide spectrum. It's not just about ending that child's life. It's about, well, what are you going to do to help that single mother raise yeah, it's that about, child? It's, it's about letting. It's about finding a way to let that child thrive. Yes, which is. Mo- <clears throat> so again, I don't. I so so that's where I'm. I guess yeah. that's where I don't want to go down this rabbit trail of, of of the minutia that goes with being pro life, pro choice, and all that kind of thing. But for me personally, I just think the term pro-life means more than being anti-abortion. Yeah. Because I do believe that abortion is a bad thing. But I also believe that that there's much more that goes with that than just saying, well, you should never end that child's life. Yeah, being pro-life is more than just going and picketing at a Planned Parenthood. So then here's the other thing that, again, and this is probably going to be even more controversial than what I just said is the whole phrase, life begins at conception. And when I ask Christians who use that phrase, life begins at conception, I say, how do you know? How do you know that life begins at conception? I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm not saying you're not even right. I'm just saying, what have you really done to to be educated on this topic that you can unequivocally say life begins at conception. Mm-hmm. And when I've run across people that are genuinely willing to look at their stance and think about it, the answer to me is, I don't know. I'm just regurgitating what I heard somebody else say. And then I'll even take it a next step further. And I'll say, so you tell me that any pregnancy that ends after conception results in a being who will be in heaven for eternity. Does that, I don't know if that totally makes sense. So yeah, man and woman have sex conception happens. That pregnancy terminates it for any, reason. for natural cause, natural causes mm-hmm. within what God has designed within a day, a week, a month. Are you telling me that every time that happens, that results in a human being who is going to be in heaven for eternity. And again, when I come across people who are, are willing to think about it, particularly those who kind of understand how many uh, pregnancies end in miscarriage, yeah. miscarriage, most people say like, oh my, that's an awful lot of people in heaven who are never, ever born. I'm not sure. That I believe that. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, this is, I, I, again, I, I get that this is a controversial deal mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to sway people one way or the other. But to me, this is one of those topics where, particularly in America, I feel like we respond, we give our answer, we'll defend something to the end but when it really comes down to it, we haven't spent any time learning about this. And, you know, 
I think I would even accept the answer of, well, this is so and what so and so stance is, and this is somebody that I I respect, and so therefore I'm aligning myself with this person who is smarter than I am, that probably has researched this better than I am, and so I'm going to associate myself with them by default. Mm-hmm. Most time, I can't even get that out of people, and so again, not trying to say one way or the other what way you should believe. But while faith is important and we need to trust in a God that we can't necessarily see, I do believe there are certain topics that before you are absolutely just, I'm going to draw a line in my sand and possibly alienate somebody who is a Mm non-believer just because you're like, well, this is such a critical issue for me. I would encourage all of us to have a reason for why I am going to so vehement be it. I can't talk <laughs> so adamantly uh, defend my position on this. Um, and you know, the verse that comes to my mind as I'm saying this is, is Matthew seven, three and Matthew seven, three just simply says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. And I'm, I'm, guilty of this. I don't claim to have my act together. I'm not perfect, but, um, I am often disappointed, often frustrated by the things that I hear followers of Christ say and defend when they've really not put a whole lot of thought or time behind their position and I would just encourage us if, if, if there is something out there that you are so just passionate about that it is a, a line in the sand type thing for you of, I can't not but believe that this is true, then please know why you believe what you believe. Um, because I don't think Jesus expects us. I don't think God expects us. Expects us. I don't think the Holy Spirit expects us just to blindly defend Uh, a certain stance. And then I think even more importantly than that is to evaluate our own life and say, I am focusing, I am focusing on this speck in somebody else's life. When I have this huge, just um, barricade, this huge hindrance in my own life that I can't even see past. So, and as I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm so pointing my finger back at myself and nobody else. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, this section, at least the part that we're covering through 24, ends great. It says, For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And Oh, it, that would just crush me if I thought that to be true of who I am. I mean, it's. I think that's what it's intended to do, is, you know, you say all this great stuff, but... In reality, you're all hypocrites, and because of your hypocrisy, the Gentiles blaspheme God and say there's no way he can be true because his people say X and do Y. And I think that is equally applicable to the Jews Paul's writing to as it is of the Christians in today's world. Mm-hmm. Obviously not every specific Christian, but if you are to take in general how... Christianity is portrayed in our culture today. Um, you know, the, the, the whole, 
you know, I mean, a specific example would be a lot of the quote unquote evangelical leaders that still back Donald Trump as the president, despite what he's said and how he's acted as God's chosen man to lead this country, even though what he says and does flies in direct, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Conflict with scripture of how he speaks about people, how he treats people, how he views himself. And people see them as Christians backing someone who is clearly someone who doesn't understand or appreciate Scripture. And they see the hypocrisy and they run the other direction. You can't blame them for it. No. But, you know, what is what is what did uh, Jesus say? Uh, they'll know you're my followers by your love. Not by your hypocrisy, not by your bumper stickers, not by your T-shirts, not by your church attendance, not by your, you know, Republican Party card, but by your love, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I I, I don't like ending shows on Total Downers, but (laughs) that's kind of where Paul leaves us at this point. Yeah. We had a refugee from Iran at church on Sunday. And that was exactly one of the things that my wife and I just, you know, here is clearly a Christian woman who is a refugee from a Muslim country who many think she should not be here. And I, and I don't mean her, but they, but that that category of being a muslim yeah brown people from the middle east middle shouldn't east be here because there's potentially a terrorist that could come in and <sighs> i just don't think that aligns with what the gospel says that is not that is not our yeah if a terrorist gets in that's on god god f- knows fully well that that terrorist is going to get in it just seems silly to me that we would just make this sweeping statement to prevent people like her name was Tally Johnson to keep her from coming. And her last name is Johnson. Well, that's come what, on. She it's funny. She she's actually divorced. Get her a, get her a, she's divorced a membership from, to the uh, country club. She's divorced from her 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 Muslim husband who beat her severely, broke her spine, you know, all oh. that kind of stuff. But I leaned over to my wife during. The, during the church service, and I'm, I said, I'm guessing that Johnson is not her Muslim husband. <laughs> so, which my uh, my family is from Sweden, and we were the Janssens. So, wow. Yeah, uh, hmm. I I I want to say things, but yeah. So it, it it's it's not an easy topic. But um, personally, I just have arrived at a place of I have to be true to what I feel like the gospel says and what I feel like I see in the Bible versus what I see a group of believers, quote unquote, saying is true. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, it's that's God. That's that's God's job. It's not even my job. It's not my job to 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 say one way or the other on that i've got to let go of that so yeah i don't know i just when i think about 
the uphill battle Christians had in this country before he was elected, it was already a tough hill to climb with, um, you know, uh, wherever you fall in the legalization of marijuana in certain states, wherever you fall in the legalization uh, federally of uh, same-sex marriage, like, those were those were going to be cultural hurdles that we were going to have to navigate with grace as a whole and individually to not lose um, the ability to reach people. And now you add on top of that, plus the centuries of other cultural baggage between Christians and non-Christians, all of the stuff that has happened since that election Mm -hmm. and you know um the term evangelical all of a sudden getting hijacked to mean super conservative republican that goes to church on a sunday like i don't feel comfortable calling myself an evangelical anymore because that automatically associates me with the people that support him yeah so not only now do I have to tell people I'm a Christian, but I'm not the crazy kind, and I'm not the racist <laughs> kind, and I'm not the sexist kind, and I'm not the fundamentalist kind. Like being able to have an honest, open conversation with someone about Christianity is becoming more and more difficult because of the amount of barriers that are being put up between them and what they are being told Christianity is about. And like, God's big enough to handle it, but I'm frustrated about it, (laughs) you know? Because like, I don't want to be unjustly judged based on the actions of other people that I don't agree with. And that's like a totally selfish way to view it, but it's like, I don't know. I'm going to just get mad. But (laughs) like, do you get what I'm saying? Oh, I I absolutely get what you're saying. And... And I'm making it about me, which is childish and petty, and it shouldn't be that way, so I apologize. But I'm just frustrated. You know, and I know that like in the grand scheme of things, we have it so easy compared to sure the folks that are living in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. Yeah. Where literally their life you will be and, killed and their families yep. like well being is on the line. So I in in no way am I comparing us to that. I'm just saying I just, I just don't even know where to begin with all this stuff and how to approach people and have an honest conversation without having to undo, you know, decades of garbage just to get them to realize I'm not a psycho. Well, and I guess that's, that's even where I fall on the line of just, I have my, my Christian beliefs, my moral beliefs, and those don't always align with what it means to be an American. Because to me, being an American is is truly about freedom and being who you want to be. And if that means that you choose not to be a Christian, then I'm all for that. Because I serve a very big God that doesn't need you to be a Christian just because you're, you know, you're supposed to be an American. You're supposed to fit in this box. Um, As as we've mentioned before, it's it's the same way with with gay marriage I personally feel like I can separate those things into well this is what I believe as a Christian but this is what I believe as an American 
particularly for people who say, I am not a Christian and I am not following Christ. It's like, well, I can't hold you to the same standard. Mm-hmm. Nor should you. And I think Paul tells us the same thing. It's That's not our job. That's that's God's job. And ultimately, the first issue is is salvation in Christ. And I, I do think that's... I, I think it is all of us are, are, are constantly dealing with this, this mentality that we have in American 21st century Christianity of, I have to have my act together to become a Christian or to be a Christian. And the older I get, and I've said this before, the more I'm just, I'm like, wow, I am so dependent on his grace more so than I ever fathomed as a child accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. So, yep, like jet fuel, burn through it. Well, I think we've been here long enough. I think we've been here long <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we'll have the show notes. Um, if you're listening on your phone, you can scroll down or wherever it is that you find show notes in your podcast app of choice. They will be there. Lots of links to quality entertainment. Uh, also, if you want to get in touch, we would love that. Absolutely. As you know, uh, links to Twitter and email are in the show notes, too. As well as, oh man, I sounded so cans in there. A as a whale. Oh, <laughs> gross. Uh, as well as links to our Patreon page where you can uh, go. If you haven't gone, would you maybe click on it? I'm not asking you to give us money. Just I'm check just it out. asking you to check it out, you know? And then if you look at it and go, wow, this is terrible and awful and all these rewards suck, let me know. Because I really have been contemplating mixing it up over there. Um, but, yeah, I'm not asking you to commit to anything, but it would just be really neat if you would click on that link and just kind of see what we're doing. And if you want to give us feedback, great. If not, that's, you know, whatevs. We'll just catch you next episode. Yep. So, well, I guess until then, um, you know, uh, Godspeed. That's a thing, right? It is a thing. All right. Go forth. <laughs> Bye. See ya.